Volume One, Chapter Twelve of Autobiography of a Seaman by Thomas Cochrane. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Timothy Ferguson. My entrance into Parliament. On the termination of the cruise, the palace was thoroughly refitted. The interval thus occupied affording me time for relaxation but nothing occurred worthy of record till in the july following the electors of honiton chose me as their representative in parliament the story of this election is worth relating my former discomfiture at honiton and the ten guineas a head paid to those who had voted for me on the previous occasion will be fresh in the recollection of the reader a general election being at hand no time was lost in proceeding to honiton where considerable sensation was created by my entrance into the town in a vis-a-vis -vis and six followed by several carriages and four filled with officers and seamen of the palace who volunteered to accompany me on the occasion our reception by the townspeople was enthusiastic the more so perhaps from the general belief that my capture of the spanish galleons as they were termed had endowed me with untold wealth whilst an equally fabulous amount was believed to have resulted from our recent cruise during which my supporters would have been not a little surprised to learn that neither myself officers nor crew had gained anything but a quantity of wine which nobody would buy whilst for the destruction of three french corvettes we never received a shilling aware of my previous objections to bribery not a word was asked by my partisans as to the price expected in exchange for their suffrages it was enough that my former friends had received ten guineas each after my defeat and it was judged best to leave the cost of success to my discretion my return was triumphant and this effected it was then plainly asked what ex post facto consideration was to be expected by those who had supported me in so delicate a manner not one farthing was the reply but my lord you gave ten guineas a head to the minority at the last election, and the majority have been calculating on something handsome on the present occasion. No doubt. The former gift was for their disinterested conduct in not taking the bribe of five pounds from the agents of my opponent. For me now to pay them would be a violation of my own previously expressed principles. Finding nothing could be got from me in the way of money payment for their support, it was put to my generosity whether I would not at least give my constituents a public supper by all means was my reply and it will give me great satisfaction to know that so rational a display of patriotism has superseded a system of bribery which reflects even less credit on the donor than the recipients alas for the vanity of good intentions the permission thus given was converted into a public treat not only for my partisans but for my opponents their wives children and friends in short for the whole town the result showed itself in a bill for some twelve hundred pounds, which I refused to pay, but was eventually compelled to liquidate in a way which will form a very curious episode hereafter. One of my first steps subsequent to the election was to apply to the Admiralty for the promotion of my first lieutenant, Haswell, who had so valiantly cut out the Tabagoose from the Bordeaux River, and also for that of poor Parker, whose case had been notified in connection with the Speedy though it was not till after my becoming a member of the house of commons that he was promoted after the fashion previously narrated it is unnecessary to recapitulate the services of these gallant officers 
further than to state briefly that on the sixth of april eighteen o six lieutenant haswell with the boats of the palace alone acting under my orders cut out the french guardship la tapingus from the river garonne and bought off his prize in the face of heavy batteries and despite the endeavours of two vessels of war each of equal force to the captured corvette for this service lieutenant haswell remained unpromoted on the fifteenth of july in the same year the boats of sir samuel hood's squadron under the orders of lieutenant sibley performed the somewhat similar though certainly not superior exploit of cutting out the Cesar of sixteen guns and eighty-six men from the same anchorage within three weeks after the performance of this service lieutenant sibley was promoted to the rank of commander and so palpable an instance of favouritism determined me to urge afresh the neglected claims of both parker and haswell my renewed application being met with evasion in the case of both officers i plainly intimated to the admiralty authorities that it would be my duty to bring before the house of commons a partiality so detrimental to the interests of the navy the threat produced what justice refused to concede and these deserving officers were both made commanders on the fifteenth of august eighteen o six parker for a service performed upwards of five years before and haswell for one four months previously notwithstanding this lapse of time haswell's promotion was dated eleven days after that of lieutenant sibley though the former officer had effected with the boats of a small frigate and against three ships of war as much as lieutenant sibley had accomplished against only one though with the boats of a whole squadron viz the boats of the centaur conqueror revenge achilles prince of wales polyphemus monarch iris and indefatigable lieutenant sibley's exploit with this overwhelming force had a medal awarded and appears in the navy list to this day lieutenant haswell's capture of the tapingus under my directions was unnoticed in any way the fact is that neither of my highly meritorious officers would have been promoted but that after lieutenant sibley's promotion for a less distinguished service it was impossible to evade their claims if brought under the notice of the legislature and it was only by this threatened exposure of such palpable injustice that the promotion of either officer was obtained another gross instance of partiality in the course pursued by the admiralty towards my officers and crews consisted in the refusal to purchase the tappingers into the navy even though the caesar prized to sir samuel hood's squadron was so purchased for the four vessels of war viz the tappingers fourteen guns the malicheuse eighteen guns the garonne twenty two and the glory twenty four total seventy eight guns driven on shore by the palace in one day no remuneration was awarded the pretence for withholding it being that as there were no proceeds there could be no reward whilst as the enemy's crews escaped head money was denied though the act of parliament conferring it was expressly framed to meet such cases the non-payment practically deciding that it was not worth a commander's while to expose himself and ship in destroying enemy vessels supposing it to have been necessary to adhere stringently to the admiralty regulation the rule itself rendered it the more incumbent on the board to give remuneration for the tappingers by purchasing that vessel into the service as was done to lieutenant sibley and his men in the case of the caesar such remuneration was however wholly withheld footnote begins if a vessel were captured and destroyed head money was awarded as in the case of the calcutta which surrendered to the imperieuse in the subsequent affair of basque roads 
it was sworn to by others that she surrendered to the squadron but that this was not the case is proved by the french government having shot her captain for surrendering to me alone a sentence which was not likely to have been passed had he surrendered to eight or ten ships in this case head money was awarded to lord gambier's fleet on which account i declined to touch a shilling of it footnote ends another curious circumstance connected with the palace may here be mentioned as the reader is aware that ship on her last cruise had taken a number of chaise maries some of which were laden with the finest vintages of the south of france independently of the wine gratuitously supplied by the palace to the squadron of admiral thornborough a large quantity of the finest had been reserved to be sold for the benefit of the captors so much in fact that in an easily glutted market like that of plymouth it was not saleable for anything beyond the duty an offer was made to the victualling board to accept for our claret the price of the villainous small beer then served out to ships companies so that jack might have a treat without additional expense to the nation the offer was unwisely refused despite the benefit to the health of the men as customs officers were placed on board the prize vessels containing the wine considerable expense was incurred we therefore found it imperative that something should be done with it and as the victualling board refused to take it there was no alternative but to knock out the bungs of the casks and empty the wine overboard my agent had however orders to pay duty on two pipes and to forward them on my account to my uncle the honourable basil cochrane who had kindly offered to stow them in his cellars in portman square knowing the quality of the wine the agent took upon himself to forward seven pipes instead of two and on these duty was paid as it was impossible to consume such a quantity the whole was bottled in order to wait opportunity for its disposal on this wine hangs a curious story my residence in town was in old palace yard and one of my constant visitors was the late mr croker of the admiralty then on the lookout for political employment this gentleman had an invitation to my table as often as he might think proper and of this from a similarity of taste and habit as i was willing to believe he so far availed himself as to become my daily guest receiving a cordial reception from friendship towards a person of ardent mind who had to struggle as i had done to gain a position croker was one day dining with me when some of the palace wine was placed on the table expressing his admiration of my superb claret for such it really was notwithstanding that the victualling board had rejected wine of a similar quality for the use of seamen though offered at the price of small beer he asked me to let him have some of it the reply was that he should have as much as he pleased at the cost of duty and bottling taking the wine as i had done from the french for nothing jocosely remarking that the claret would be all the better for coming from a friend instead of an enemy he stated his intention to avail himself of my offer shortly after this incident croker who had previously been in parliament was appointed secretary to the admiralty and from that day forward he never presented himself at my apartments nor did i by any chance meet him till some time afterwards we encountered each other by accident near whitehall recognising me in a way meant to convey the idea that as he was now my master our relations were slightly altered i asked him why he had not sent for his wine his reply was why really i have no use for it my friends having supplied me more liberally than i have occasion for well knowing the meaning of this i made him a reply expressive of my appreciation of his conduct towards me personally as well as of the wine sources from which he had been so liberally supplied this of course was conclusive as to any future acquaintance and we parted without one additional word 
this incident converted into a foe one who had been regarded by me in the spirit of sincere and disinterested friendship he was moreover in a position to make his enmity felt and when i was hunted down by that infamous trial which blasted at a blow my hopes and reputation the weight of official vengeance was all the more keenly felt as being the return of former hospitality in my previous attempts to call the attention of the house to naval abuses croker was my constant opponent and as in our days of friendship i had unreservedly unbosomed to him my views and plans of action he was in a condition to fight me with my own weapons which thus became employed in continuance of the corrupt system at which they were aimed if at that period there were any naval abuses requiring reformation mr croker was certainly the greatest stumbling-block to their removal for no better reason than that plans for the remedy emanated from me though in the days of our friendship he had not only approved those plans but even suggested others on the twenty third of august eighteen o six i was appointed to the command of the imperieuse frigate which was commissioned on the second of september following the crew of the palace being turned over to her we left plymouth on the seventeenth of november but in a very unfit condition for sea the alacrity of the port authorities to obtain praise for dispatching vessels to sea before they were in a fit condition was reprehensible it was a point in those days for port admirals to hurry off ships regardless of consequences immediately after orders for their sailing were received this dispatch as it was incorrectly termed securing the commendation of the admiralty whom no officer dared to inform of the danger to which both ships and crews were thereby exposed the case of the imperieuse was very near proving the fallacy of the system she was ordered to put to sea the moment the rudder which was being hung would steer the ship the order was of necessity obeyed we were therefore compelled to leave port with a lighter full of provisions on one side a second with ordnance stores on the other and a third filled with gunpowder towing astern we had not even opportunity to secure the guns the quarter-deck carronades were not shipped on their slides and all was in the utmost confusion the result of this precipitation was for it had no object that as soon as the land was out of sight we were obliged to heave to in mid-channel to unstow the afterhold get down the ballast and clear the decks worse still the rigging had not been effectually set up so that had a gale of wind come on the safety of the frigate might have been compromised or had we been attacked by an enemy even a gunboat we could not have fired a shot in return as from the powder coming on board last we had not a cartridge filled the weather becoming thick on the following day no observation could be taken the consequence was that from the current and unknown drift of the frigate whilst hove to to set up the new rigging secure the masts and stow the hold we drifted toward ashant and in the night struck heavily three or four times on a shelf but fortunately forged over into a deep pool in which as it was blowing hard we had to let go three anchors to hold the ship till the following morning as soon as it became daylight it was found that the imperieuse was inside of ashant instead of outside to the manifest peril of the frigate as it was we sounded our way out with difficulty and happily without material injury i afterwards demanded a court-martial on my conduct in this affair but it was not granted because it was known that the blame would have fallen on others not on me this unwise and arbitrary conduct in hastily and prematurely forcing vessels to sea was mistaken by the public as a manifestation of official zeal in carrying on the service it would be easy to mention numerous instances of the like nature but this being my own case 
i can vouch for its authenticity in a future chapter it will be necessary again to advert to these and other evils to which men and ships were not only exposed but actually sacrificed by hurry or neglect of equipment on the twenty ninth we joined the blockading squadron in basque roads and were ordered by the admiral to cruise offshore in the vicinity but without effect till the nineteenth of december when we captured two vessels off sable d'olon and on the thirty first a third at the entrance of the garonne on the fourth of january we gave chase to several vessels which ran in the direction of arcassan on the following day the boats were sent in chase of a galleon and another vessel in shore but the cutter being swamped in the surf both escaped into the creek or basin and ran ashore we then anchored about three miles from the entrance on the sixth we again hoisted out boats and sent them with the stream anchors to warp off the vessels in which operation they were successfully obstructed by a battery on an island at the entrance of the creek as the water was too shoal for the frigate to approach with safety the boats were manned and before daylight on the seventh we carried the battery by assault spiking or otherwise destroying the guns which consisted of four thirty-six pounders two field pieces and a fifteen-inch mortar this done we collected their carriages and what wood we could find with which we set fire to the fort several gunboats being at anchor in the rear of the island we burned them as well as the vessels previously chased not thinking it prudent to remain and get them off as a general alarm had been excited along the coast having destroyed this battery we again sailed for the garonne and on the ninth anchored off cordovan in the hope of intercepting any vessels entering or quitting the river but notwithstanding we remained here till the nineteenth none showed themselves nor was any attempt made by the enemy to dislodge us from our position our anchorage was however exposed and heavy gales coming on we were compelled to make sail on the nineteenth shortly after this the imperieuse was ordered home arriving at plymouth on the eleventh of february without further incident indeed the cruise would not have been worthy of record except to preserve the order of time in this narration of my services unbroken on the twenty sixth we chased some vessels of isle Dieu, but they ran under the protection of a battery with which we exchanged some shots and then made sail in the direction of sable de Alon. on the twenty ninth joined the squadron and were ordered to supply the atalante with provisions and water a further notice respecting this operation will be found in the parliamentary debate in the next chapter end of chapter twelve recording by timothy ferguson gold coast australia